I have a very dramatic announcement. So anyone with a weak heart should leave now. Unreal. Revolution. Uncensored. Unfiltered. Unchanged. Unadulterated. Unbelievable. CliffCentral.com. A very hearty, warm welcome to all our listeners. This is Professor David Block, and today we are looking up. To reach me in studio, 0861 That's 0861 And certainly the most popular way of reaching me is WeChat, and the WeChat ID is Cliff Central. Today's feed will be twofold. We're going to be, I am just buzzing with excitement at Pluto and the discoveries around Pluto. So let's keep you one step ahead of others. And so I've been giving talks about the latest discoveries on Pluto. And then in the second half or a little bit more of the broadcast, we will, the feed, we will be interviewing an incredible guest, Peter Fincham. So first of all, Pluto. Now, of course, you must remember that uh, uh, Pluto is or was the most distant planet in our solar system until it got demoted from planetary status. But the incredible thing is, in the year 2006, so that's quite a long time ago, a spacecraft by name New Horizons was launched to Pluto. So that's a long, long time ago. In fact, I would estimate that's about 3,466 days ago, which would, if you divide by 365 mentally, Duncan, I think we'd get it about nine and a half years. So that's a long time ago that this launch, that uh, the launch of, uh, you know, what were you doing nine years ago? Where were you chilling? Well, the NASA, the folk at NASA were chilling, uh, launching the spacecraft called the New Horizons spacecraft. Of course, then it took about, you know, these nine and a half years for the New Horizons spacecraft to actually um, travel a distance of 4.8 billion kilometers. That's 4.8 billion kilometers to the planet Jupiter. And it rendezvoused with Jupiter uh, around July 15, so that's right between this feed and the last feed. It actually rendezvoused with the planet Jupiter and has sent back images which amaze me. Duncan has just pulled up some of the best images available on www.nasa.gov um, and the slash new horizons. And I mean... Let me tell you, as your professor, what strikes me. Uh, let's have a look at, for example, the heart of Pluto. Pluto, it has been discovered, has a heart. Well, not a physical heart like which beats like yours and mine, but there's a vast area, very vast, smooth area on Pluto, which we call now call Pluto's heart. And... I suppose what I found most staggering about all of these images, Duncan, was that 
We have discovered mountains of ice. Now that is extraordinary. Not mountains as on the earth. We have discovered solid mountains of ice. These mountains uh, rise up majestically so to a height of about 11,000 feet, which would be over 3,000 meters, which means that puts them in the equivalent class ratio as the Rocky Mountains, and they are made up of water ice. Well, that's the current thinking anyway. And I just, that was the one, the one discovery that simply blew my socks off. Uh, as an astronomer, is that there are these huge mountains of water ice? This the um, and Duncan's putting some uh, some of these up uh, onto the screen. But also in the heart of Jupiter, Pluto's heart, Pluto, not Jupiter, Pluto's heart, you'll find stunning images on this web page um, where you see that the surface is devoid of craters. Can you see that, Duncan? It's very smooth. Yeah, I see that, Professor. There's not many craters. Now, what does that mean? If you've got a body like the moon and it's filled with craters, it means it's very old. So it means that the geological processes on the moon, you know, the moon is estimated to be about 4.5 billion years old. Whereas here in on Pluto, what we have discovered is that, you know, these are all... Very, very young features. I would say that many of the images Duncan is bringing up on the screen, the geology has taken place. The geological features, that's just awesome, Duncan. The geological features have taken place over the last 100 million years only, no older, which is a fraction of the age of the solar system. So if you were to say to me, Prof, what? What's sizzling about Pluto? I'll say several things. I'd say that no, you know, the lack of craters on Pluto is just awesome, telling us that it's a very, very young geologically formed world, at least the outer parts of the planet. And then, of course, the heart of Pluto is just so amazing to me, is that uh, it's just this awesome, smooth heart. In fact, Duncan's putting up some images here. I love this one below here, Duncan. And this is just awesome, this colored one, the orange one over here. P Portrait of Pluto and Sharon. It's just disappeared, but it's going to come up now. And uh, there we are. And I just think that these images are... Ap I mean, what Duncan has pulled up... Don't let it go, Duncan. Just keep it there. I'm sizzling. I'm cooking with gas. Um, <laughs> is that... Uh, I, Duncan's brought up an image. So this is on the www.nasa.gov slash New Horizons. Uh, you can see a beautiful portrait of Pluto and Charon. Now, Charon is one of the fine moons, five moons of Pluto. Do you happen to know, Duncan, what any of the names are? Well, here's a nice little dinner discussion. Have you ever heard of the Afrikaans word, Duncan, nix? Yeah, it means nothing. Nix means nothing. Now, do you know that one of Jupiter's moons, sorry, one of Pluto's moons, forgive me, I'm a professor and I sometimes am allowed to get not tongue-tied, but my mind is working ahead of time, is that um, one of Pluto's moons is called Nix, N-I-X. And if you Google Nix, 
Find it's one of the moons <laughs> of Pluto. Did you know that, Duncan? Not at all. So, in other words, when you're having supper with your beloved tonight, you say, honey, 20 bucks on the table and 20 bucks for you, 20 bucks for me. Or perhaps let's be more generous. At Brown's Restaurant across the road, they serve wine at 150,000 rand a bottle. You say, if you know what Nick's is, I'll b- treat you to a bottle of wine. So at Brown's. So <laughs> I hope Brown's is listening because I want to taste it because the next day one wheeze it out. So I'm not sure what's happening here, Duncan. 150,000 rand. But the point is, the point is, is that Nick's, N-I-X is one of the names of the moons of Pluto. And Styx, S-T-I-X, you can Google that too. It's N-I-X, N-I-X, N-I-X moon of Pluto. See, the professor's right. I'm speaking without notes. Uh, As all my listeners know, I never bring notes. Uh, People often ask me, Prof, can we see your notes before? And we want to know what you speak about. And I say, that's an embarrassing question because before I sat down, I didn't know I'm going to be talking about this. So Nix has been drawn up (laughs) here on Google. And Nix is indeed. See, I'm right, Duncan. Nix is a beautiful moon, a satellite, a natural satellite of of Pluto. But now put in sticks. S-T-I-X. I think these names are neat. Nux, Nix, and Styx. And there we go with Styx and Moon Jupiter. Uh, moon Pluto, rather. Uh, Styx, Moon Pluto. And there we go. Yeah, there we go. So there we've got. And uh, it's just so we can actually just Google the moons of Pluto. Um and you'll see their uh, moons of Pluto will come up with all the different names and so forth. So, Nick Sticks and so forth are absolutely amazing. But there Quick we question, are. Professor. Yes. You know, uh, so Sticks is S T Y X, and of course Nick's is N I X. There we are. Sticks. There we are. Sticks. Nick's. Kerberos. Hydra and Sharon. So tonight you sit down and you say, "What? Is, where is Nick's?" You don't say where's Nix, you say what, give me the name, what is Nix? Nix. N-I-X. You say, if you know the answer, there's a thousand bucks for you, or a bottle of wine. Yes, Duncan. Uh, we know that uh, the moon helps the earth with uh, the, the waves. The tides. The tides. Yes, and uh, yes. so forth. But uh, what significance do the, do all these moons have on Pluto? Yes, that's a very, very good question, Duncan. Um, if you're short of a job here, we'll put you in touch with NASA and you'll work <laughs> there. Because that's a brilliant question. Um, the, uh, the moon Charon is in geosynchronous orbit with Pluto, which means it always maintains its same face. So it's much like the Earth-Moon system, but, but there's no, uh, liquid water, running water on Pluto, whereas there is on the Earth. But in, at earlier times, Charon might have formed, um, uh, a hearty, important exercise in the early formation of the features on Pluto. Not right now, but uh, earlier on. Uh, but as you've correctly pointed out, on Earth, of course, uh, the moon air plays an inextricably an important role uh, with regard to the tides on the Earth. So what have we discovered? What's new? What's, what's up? Well, what's brand new are the lack of craters on Pluto. I think that's just stunning. Recent geology, a 100 million years in time is... Just the flash of an eye, the wink of an eye, the blink of an eye, as it were. That is incredible to me. Uh, Sharon, the images of Sharon, 
Uh, ah, we have Darren from PE. Darren, one of our favorite listeners, I see. Hi, Prof. Loving the show as always. Well, Darren, it's because of people like you that I love the show so much. So you just keep cooking with gas and sending me questions. I got a question. All right, let's read it. Why is it that Pluto has five moons? All right. Is there a reason? What would happen if the Earth had five moons? Well, that's a brilliant question. Well, it, there's no specific reason why Pluto has got five moons. It could have five. It could have six. It could have a dozen. And because it's basically the surface of Pluto is frozen, they wouldn't really pay, play a very, very active part. But if you were to take a body like the Earth and you put in a, a number of moons and that could create quite a lot of havoc with regard to um, tidal waves, with regard to the tides, with regard to the weather patterns. Uh, that a very, very interesting question is that we are very fortunate and blessed just to have one moon which does, um, you know, inextricably play a key factor in the creation of the tides and thus forth. But... Uh, if, with regard to your question, there's no, you know, when you start looking at the outer planets, such as Jupiter, such as Saturn, such as Uranus, such as Neptune, such as Pluto, they often have large numbers of moons, and, uh, you know, whether Pluto had five or ten or even twenty wouldn't really detract, because it's really this almost, almost, not quite solid mass of ice, but uh, that's really just attracted me so much is that uh, there's no specific reason. But, Darren, that is a beautiful question. And, you know, just before I appeared here in studio, people were saying to me, are these real images? Don't let that one go. Don't let that one go. Duncan's called up an image here of Sharon surprising a varied terrain. I mean, can you see that top part, um, uh, Duncan? Yeah, it's uh, very dark uh, at the top there. Yeah, and what, is it rough or smooth? It looks uh, pretty smooth to me. Absolutely. So you see, Duncan could work at NASA. You see, he just is an expert geologist as well. It's very smooth, which means it's very recent. It's been recently formed. And that is just a stunning, awesome discovery with regard to... Uh, but, but Prof, we need to know, why is it that uh, these things are almost perfect circles? Couldn't they have been square or does it have okay. to do with gra okay. gravity? So th that's really got to do with spin. Is they spinning around on their axes and when you've got the sort of, you know, the primordial material uh, forming these planets, they're spinning around. Uh, they've got what we call angular momentum. They've got spin. And as they spin around, uh, they give this sort of round shape. But you can see that this Sharon is not covered by multitudes of craters, which is amazing. And if you call up an image of Pluto, which is the last one I want to delve in before I go to our guest, um, yes, there you are, as we are seeing possible cliffs. But there's the heart. Uh, on uh, Look, there is so much on the web that... Uh, one needs to be suffering from a deficiency in one's neurophysiological processes if you can't find images like this yourself because there are dozens and hundreds. And I mean, I'm just cooking with gas. I mean, I, I, I'm just waiting. The reason that I haven't, you know, the reason that I'm only covering this now is because I need time to see the pictures. I can't comment on pictures which I haven't seen yet. That would be schizophrenic. So... um 
I'm waiting to digest the pictures. So again, next week I'll be bringing you more of the analyses of the planet Pluto. But you know, just like food, you can't swallow it down, Duncan, and you know, digest it immediately. It taketh time. So with Pluto, it taketh time as well. Now it gives me very great pleasure to swing to our other part of our show today, and that is to invite and to welcome, uh, a really uh, esteemed friend and honoured guest today, uh, Peter Fincham, whose art is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, when we walked in, Dory saw his art and just said, wow, Prof, look at that detail, just wow. And other people of the team, members of the team, Duncan, what does that painting say to you? I will tell you this, Professor. Growing up, we had a painting like this in the house. Yes. But uh, it had a river and big mountains in the background. Yes. I wonder if uh, it was painted by your guest here. I don't know. Okay. All right. So let's just ask. We'll be asking Peter this uh, in a second. So, Peter, could you tell us? This is Peter Fincham. And uh, a hearty welcome to our studio. If you want to read more about his incredible art, it's www.peterfincham.com. .co.za, that's P-E-T-E-R, and then Fincham is F for Freddy, I for India, N for No, C for Cat, H for Harry, A for Apple, M for Mary. Peter Fincham, www.peterfincham, and he's brought it up. As always, Duncan, one of the most reliable people I've worked with and, you know, on live radio and TV work. Uh, Peter, a hearty warm welcome to, you, to the studio. Artist. And, Thank uh, you. Tell me about your art. Okay, my art, uh, <laughs> as we get to the right page, what it is is that what I try and depict with my art is something that really draws me in. So I'm not just doing it because I want to or I have to, but I really deeply want to display uh, what we see around us, which is normal and ordinary, but to enhance it in a way that really speaks more deeply to other people. But I wanted to be an artist when I was simply uh, 12 years old. Wow. There was, <laughs> there was no other artist in the family, so that went down like a lead balloon. <laughs> yes. And... Um, I had no formal training, so I started off working as a messenger uh, in a company in England. Yes. So I was walking up and down the streets of London thinking, I want to be an artist, but yes. I, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to do it. So I was looking, I was telling David just before the show that yes. I was looking for, <laughs> I was looking for an art gallery. Yes. Uh, didn't know what an art gallery looked like. Yes. Didn't realize that the Royal Academy, which was started by George III, was over in Piccadilly Circus area. Right. But I thought I spotted a, an art gallery. So I, I went during my lunch hour to this impressive building that always had people outside to really um, say, okay, I'm going to go inside, look at the paintings. Mm. So I went inside, but it was quite dark in there. And I thought, well, what is this? Yeah, so I, sure. was, I was looking at the paintings and there was one or two grumpy old men on the wall, mm -hmm. which were paintings. Mm -hmm. But it was very cold and mm -hmm. very monochromatic. And mm -hmm. then I... Then I, to my horror, I saw somebody with a periwig on his head, like a wig, <laughs> and uh, a silk garment and mm. everything else yeah. that he was wearing. And I suddenly realized that I was not in an art gallery. 
I was in the royal courts of London. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and I, yes. what I what I did was I ran out of there blushing because I thought I'm so silly. Mm. I don't know what to do. Mm. <laughs> so I, I come from humble backgrounds, but mm. I've always wanted to do art. Now That's, tell me, I'm looking at a painting Duncan has put up right. called. Um, it's just gone, uh, overflowing life, but yeah. the one with the key as well. I love it. That's right. sort of a, an allegory, a story. Yes. Tell us yes. about what these sort of images are trying to, what okay. are trying to portray. Well, the, the painting, which is, uh, Africa, the key. Yes. Um, that one is about, uh, the way that in Africa, there is a barrier of great poverty between the most of the people mm-hmm. and the luxury of other people. Mm. And I was trying one day to draw a door handle for this particular door. Mm. And I was struggling. I, I just couldn't get it right. And then the inspiration came to me. Oh, what about using something else? Mm-hmm. And this is what uh, happens sometimes an artist is one and one can make seven. So I got inspired to, mm. and please forgive me for, for ruining your mathematics, professor. I... <laughs> You are um, welcome, sir. <laughs> so I, yes. I stuck in a symbol of Africa. Yes, I see And I, I really believe that Africa is going to be a key to opening wow. up uh, oh. the resources for people wow. who are uh, outside looking in. That's wow. why the broken wow. bricks are around the door. Wow. And it looks so wow. nice on the other side, but they simply can't get in and there's no key. Wow. But it's a symbol of what Africa's potential has got still to come and wow. be fulfilled. Duncan, isn't that extraordinary that you've got that painting? At, at, I don't know where it's gone, but it's coming up again. But I've got it in my head of that, you know, you've got this, folk, you've got this image, this incredible image of a door. And then inside the door is some luxury. And then there's a key. And the key is actually, the keyhole is actually Africa. I mean, that is... I just love the idea of roots, of beginnings, of origins. And somehow what you're saying is Africa has got such great potential. But I think the way you've depicted that, Peter, is incredible. I mean, it is not surprising. I mean, our guest today has exhibited at the Craig Gallery, the Leonardo Gallery, the Henry Taylor Gallery. I mean, this is, you know, truly uh, exceptional. His work is sold to collectors in England, France, Germany, the United States, uh, the UAE. I mean, he's even been commissioned to paint for the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund. I mean, we have a legend in our midst, truly. But I just love, like, the allegory. Uh, I'm looking at one called Overflowing Life. Mm. Uh, and tell us a little bit about that, okay. please. Well, you know, an African Tell them pot. what, to tell okay. our listeners what they see. Well, first of all, may I just uh, say thank you for the great compliments, but I do have to say that the painting sold to the Nelson Mandela Children's yes. Fund was not a commission, but it was a painting sold through uh, a gallery. But they so, still bought it, to uh, see. Oh, he, he bought it, Absolutely. and it was uh, well appreciated. But the, the overflowing point. life one mm-hmm. shows how um, an African pot is a very simple uh very ordinary daily thing that yes, you see in rural villages. People carrying water, right? Um, uh, but on this their heads. one, I, I was thinking to myself, how do I, um, how do I portray uh, this particular truth? We have 
this treasure in jars of clay. Oh, that's lovely. So that is lovely. The, uh, the jar looks a bit jars of clay. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this jar, and it's not exactly the most pristine and polished. It looks a bit dented, got a few cracks in yes. it. Yes. And yes. Um, it's something where what it's showing is there's an overflowing of water, huh. but there's no water pipes. There's no, it's just laying, uh, the pot's laying or standing rather on stones. Yep. And it is overflowing from within. And it's really taking what is inside the treasure of Africa. Hmm. And it's overflowing and it will impact many, many places around the world because of the treasure which Hmm. Africa has been given. So it is an allegory. And it is also a spiritual allegory mm, as well. Mm, mm. I just love the fact that Africa appears as a keyhole. I mean, it, that is just so important to me is that the continent of Africa is set to unlock the future. I, I can't tell you what that mm. does for my spirit, Peter. That is just Thank awesome. You. And also the fact that this jar doesn't have pipes. Uh, the water is just flowing out from within. Ah, uh, just as the Lord had said, uh, you know, out of our belly will flow, oh, yes. you know, rivers of life Amen. and uh, rivers of living water. <laughs> and it's from within that that cometh, the rivers of water. And oh, yes. there's such life. And isn't there, Duncan, joy and potential? Um, You know, we're dealing here, uh, dear listeners, with one of our really, truly great fine artists. I mean, on the webpage it says a fine artist, but this is fine in... You know, also in the English word of great, you know, the mm. master, uh, a fine artist. Uh, the the work is uh, absolutely uh, exceptional. The detail as well. The detail is true. I mean, in this Africa, the key, if you look through um, listeners and you go to F- Peter Fincham's webpage, which is www w.peterfincham.co.za and you look at these images and Duncan just did that just by typing that in. It is really just, I love the way Africa is being portrayed in one picture after another as a source, as a source of potential, of strength, of joy. And I think that is why probably Mr. Mandela would have been so proud to own one of these, Duncan, is that Definitely. he comes from Africa, right? Mm. And that's what I've always said. You know, people often say to me, Peter, why don't you lecture at Harvard University or MIT? <laughs> and I would say to them today, well, then I wouldn't have Duncan next to me. <laughs> I wouldn't have Peter with me. He um, should be in politics. Yes, and, thank you. <laughs> So I think that is just <laughs> awesome. Now, the point is, your works have not always been birthed in a life of uh, joy, in a sense. Um, in, well, your works have been born, several of them, out of pain. Hmm. And I would like you to tease that out for me, please. Okay. Well, at the age of 12, which was just after Noah's Ark in 1963, mm-hmm. so for all those young listeners, it was a previous century hmm. – just in case you're wondering whether it was in the age of Victoria, uh-huh. it was in 1963 that I wanted to be an artist, but as I mentioned before, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I carried on and I worked in advertising agencies and design studios, uh-huh. and I was playing golf and tennis and uh-huh. uh, everything else and squash. Uh-huh. And then I was playing squash one day, and I went for this particularly difficult shot I got the shot, but my back didn't go with me. Mm. 
and I herniated, which means I tore right through right. my disc in my lower back, and I uh, I simply could not move after that. It mm-hmm. was just too much, and that led. That was in 1984, mm-hmm. and I was told that I had to rest, and I just yearned to do something, but mm-hmm. I, I couldn't play sports. So I thought, now what else can I do? And so I thought, well, let me have a go mm-hmm. at my art, uh, which I'd used in the graphic design and commercial area. Mm-hmm. Let me have a go at a painting. So I, I sort of tried. My, my first effort was in my dad's study. They lived in Kempton Park, so I got out this nice huge big piece of mm. fashion board which is uh before computers you would actually use this fine smooth surface mm. and i began to paint it's and i thought you yep. know this would be fantastic mm. but after about a mm. half an hour of trying it looked as though ferrets which are like sort of small long animals that go after rabbits mm. have been running around the canvas mm. and I had to oh ditch it because mm. it was disgusting mm. and I was embarrassed to even mm. think that I had created mm. such a thing so in the beginning mm. I tried watercolors mm-hmm. and I thought no hang on I actually can't hide my mistakes I've got mm-hmm. to do <laughs> mm-hmm. I've got to find something yes. else yes. something more opaque yes. so I then started to use acrylics mm-hmm. and I completed my first painting Incredible. in 1985 I'm looking at some but I, I see could you tell us please sorry to interject sure. but for the uh, reasons of time yes. I'm exceedingly interested in this one is it the Victoria Falls and a gun and a heart it's called rising above a flood of emotions okay that one it's uh, extraordinary, isn't it, Duncan? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it is just... Uh, okay. Tell me about that. I'm intrigued by that. Okay. That is a back-to-front painting where I was struggling with the concept to try and say, okay, now, how do I change the whole theory of gun uh, problems in South Africa yes. where 20,000 people are affected by yes. gun violence? This mm-hmm. is now uh, quoted on the gun-free South Africa. Now, please note, I'm not saying ban guns because in this day and age one needs to have guns but one's got to use it with appropriate measures of constraint right so it's saying that in the emotion mm-hmm. the emotion that can carry one away to cross boundaries and kill people is like a victoria falls that is unstoppable Interesting. and so what it is is that the gun is placed above the waterfall in a different realm, mm-hmm. and instead of a trigger, it's got the shape of a heart. I see that. But also, I'm using primary colours of uh, a blue, mm-hmm. a yellow, and a red to show that these primary emotions, uh, by God's grace and mercy, mm-hmm. can be controlled so that one can bring down the murder rate, and instead of using violence, mm-hmm. overcome evil with good. Mm-hmm. And that way around, you can portray how hostile a gun is, uh, where it's hard and it's sharp. That's why I've made the object of the gun so prickly mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. uh, thick paint. Mm-hmm. But then I've actually combined that with the symbol of the trigger being there's actually no trigger at all. There's actually a trigger guard of love. Mm-hmm. So you can overcome evil with good. Mm-hmm. And you can make a difference in our nation which needs to bring down its murder rate. Duncan, what you had a question there. I mean, I just think it's extraordinary, right? Yes, uh, Professor, absolutely astonishing mm. stuff. Mm. I, I just want to know, uh, while painting, it may be a ridiculous question, but <laughs> are your eyes closed? Often. Really? Um, really? 
Well, what it is, I, I sort of paint by Braille and I use Tipex. <laughs> mm. But what happens is mm. um, art mm. for me is actually a spiritual thing. So I often worship the Lord as I... Uh, the Lord, the Lord mm. Jesus, uh, as I paint, mm. I, uh, I praise him and I do what, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach did where I suppose he, it's a cartoon uh, of fugues, yes. Well, he actually said in the beginning of his music when he wrote, you know, to the glory of God. So what I realize is that art is spiritual. It's not just physical, it's mm. spiritual. And this mm. is where most of my ideas come from, as mm. I mentioned with the door, where I was stuck mm. with the door handle, mm. or with the gun, where I wasn't getting it right, mm. or with the jar, which wasn't coming as it should have done. I said, well, how do I get around that cul-de-sac? Mm. And it comes by divine inspiration. Mm. And then, of course, there's this other one, which I'm also interested in, called Extra Time ah. Acrylics. Tell us about Extra Time. So, listeners, here we are, if you haven't got a computer ne near you or next to you. And it's a guy, obviously, playing soccer, is it, Peter? And, yes, uh, it is. Yes, and what's the story okay. behind okay. this one? It, it's a dry, dusty field. Yes, correct. And the dry, dusty field is really barren, Uncultivated, neglected, yes, I and see it's that. sunset. Yes, but the player keeps on playing, and you see wow. the the perseverance to practice one's talent. Now, I'm not a I football see. player. I see. Neither am I. Uh, I'm not a golfer Neither anymore. Am I. No. Um, I will never climb Mount Everest, but I do try and persevere with my gift of art, and so it's showing how you can simply carry on practicing. And you could improve your skill and make it better mm. uh, through taking time when everybody else has gone home. You do the hard yards and you keep practicing. Um, and it's hard, mm. but you find that the result will pay off in time. What was the secret of Helen Keller? Because she, of oh, course, okay. was, uh, uh, of course, blind and deaf and so forth. And she also just persevered as in that painting. Yeah, um, one of Helen Keller's quotes, I mean, uh, she, she was born in 1880 and died in 1968, but one of her quotes, now she's blind, she was blind, yes. she was deaf, yes. and there was a film made of her young life, and she was an absolute terrorist in the house where she had no control, and she was reckless, mm -hmm. but then a tutor came to help her to be able to communicate, because she didn't know what to do to communicate and mm -hmm. so she was frustrated but she goes on because she was uh, someone who was an educator to many people she's quoted as saying no pessimist in other words nobody who's negative mm. ever discovered the secret of the stars right or sailed an uncharted land right or opened a new doorway mm -hmm. for the human spirit. Right. Yeah. Now, that door That's painting awesome. is opening a new doorway for yep. the human spirit. So yep. I, I look at that and I say, well, there's, mm. no, there's another quote from Helen Keller. It says, character. Here's another quote from Helen Ke mm -hmm. Keller. Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Mm -hmm. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened ambition inspired mm. and success achieved now Helen Keller actually tutored at college and mm -hmm. she touched probably millions of lives 
during her lifetime and beyond. Mm, of course, of course. So what you are really saying is that in a lot of the images that I see before me is allegory. Yeah. Um, but in others like of the orchids, yes. morning has broken. Yeah. It's just beauty, just sheer beauty. But the ones which I think, Duncan, touch me the most are clearly the ones, the vase of Africa. You know, the water flowing out there and the one with the door. Uh, that, those ones are exceptional. Are you busy with other such works? Oh yes, I'm, I'm busy finishing a, uh, a 1500 millimeter by 900 millimeter That's scene, big. which is mm-hmm. a, um, a scene of a grass cutter, uh, who's a gogo. Yes. And, uh, to the right, uh, of the grass cutter who's in the fields, uh, is a, um, a parent. Oh, yes. And her daughter is holding her tummy with yes. her hand. Yes. And she's really asking, what is Gogo doing? And her brother next to her, to the left, is looking at Gogo. And you say, well, there's so much uh, in that where people are disenfranchised by yeah. uh, not having the skill. Yes. And how they can't earn enough money to feed themselves. Yes. And yet it's in the vista of the beauty of a, an overcast sky where the light shines down upon the grass cutter and her family as part of God's favor where the Lord Jesus cares for the widows and the orphans. Right, right. So uh, what actually inspired you to draw, uh, to paint Africa the Key? Because, I mean, that to me is just such an – it's it's a masterpiece. Allow me to say, listeners um, – this is really a masterpiece, Africa the Key. I mean, it's got the door, it's got the keyhole of Africa, it's got looking in. It's just what gave you the, I mean, we know the origin of who gave you the vision, but um, <laughs> what I'm saying is, how did you, did you just sit down one day and no, no, the idea, no, no. tell no. us about this. Okay. Well, what happens is I carry a pen and paper with me. Yes. Uh, rather I than. See computer stuff because I don't think people would like to steal my pen or pencil and paper. Yes. Nobody has done so on the way into Cliff Central today for which I am thankful. Yes. I was at Gold Reef City of all places going to the Mint. Yes. Uh, at Gold Reef City and I walked into the entrance and there was a door ahead of me that struck my imagination. Yes. So I took a, re- a, a reference photograph of it. Yes. Uh, above the door, it said no entry. Oh, yes. And it had no door handle on it. So it was obviously a restricted access to that place. But on that door yes. was the reflection, yes. which is very similar to what I have portrayed. So I that they, the door itself is very similar, although I've made it rougher and more Hostile uh-huh. and the bricks around it much more uh-huh. decrepit and broken. But uh-huh. the idea comes from uh-huh. when I was simply walking around yeah. and I had an aha moment. I said, ah, I can use it. Yes. And then later I was able to say, hmm, it's now time to do something about yes. it. So when I get an yes. idea, I, I put it down, I write it somewhere and yes. then I put it in a safe place. Yes. So I can find it again because yes. I, I also struggle to find things. Yes. But then, what I do is I then come back later and I filter what ideas I've got and sort out the wheat from the chaff. Uh-huh. And then I filter it again. Mm-hmm. And then if it gets through those processes, then mm-hmm. I say, okay, now I can commit to a painting. Mm-hmm. So what happens is 
it's not just I'll go and do this immediately. The the gestation period may be months or years mm-hmm. from the original idea. How interesting. Idea. So it's not a it's not a five minute process. How long did it take, for example, to um, actually complete Africa the key or overflowing life? Is it months? Is it years? Years. 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 You know, on on overflowing life Duncan. with with a jar. Mm. Originally, I didn't have that dark sky or the um, or the hills which show the stormy background mm. of Africa's history. Mm. And when I added that stormy background mm. and the shadowed area, it just mm. lifted the whole mm. um, painting so that one has to recognize that Africa has had a stormy past. Mm. But mm. God is not finished with Africa. Mm. Mm. And... People have come mm. and used the resources and mm. they have pillaged and plundered. Absolutely. But also that I think in South Africa, the thing that has struck me when I look at the circumstances, mm-hmm. I think to myself, well, without forgiveness, mm-hmm. we would be just like Serbia mm-hmm. or uh, mm-hmm. Sudan yes. or other places where there have been uh, Ongoing conflicts for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And so, in other words, if you just look at that overflowing jar, you know, today you can forgive somebody who may have hurt you. That's true. You know, mm-hmm. you can overflow That's That's with beautiful. mercy towards somebody. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You can actually make a difference mm-hmm. and encourage somebody who may be struggling and say, let me give you a kind word. Let me help you up. I may not be able to give you money, but mm-hmm. I can show compassion. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've learned through my pain, mm-hmm. that I can still take my five loaves and two fish mm-hmm. and make a difference. Mm-hmm. I've been, I've had the singular joy and honor today of interviewing one of South Africa's really fine artists, Peter Fincham. And allow me just to uh, draw your attention again to his webpage. That's www.peterfincham.co.za. So that's P-E-T for Tommy, E-R, F for Freddie, I for India, N for No, C for Cat, H for Harry, A for Apple, M for Mary, Peter Fincham. .co.za and I would assume that there's a contact button if you're interested to purchase some of his paintings but I would say this in conclusion Duncan is that if I had a painting such as you know Africa the key uh I just ah and Peter's got a lovely Facebook just give us that address please Peter okay thank you David uh it's www.facebook.com So then we're on Facebook, yes. Forward slash. Yes. Peter Fincham. Yes. All one word. Yes. Dot artist. And dot artist or artist? No, dot artist. Okay. So okay. it's Peter Fincham dot artist okay. and you'll find I've put videos on there. And uh-huh. I put drawings on there. Oh, good. Um, oh, there's even a drawing that I put on there when I was in a long queue on voting day in 2009 mm-hmm. with some humor. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's to try and encourage people. Mm. It's not just for myself, but it's to mm. say, how can I help other people mm. from my own experience? I'm so sorry we've run out of time here. I mean, we could easily spend one hour just talking to Peter Fincham. I mean, the, his images are breathtaking. And then, you know, of course, I'm just buzzing with excitement about Pluto and I'm just buzzing with excitement everywhere. So 
uh, Peter, it's just been a singular joy and pleasure to have you on our um, feed today. I trust many will visit uh, Facebook, PeterFinsham.artist. Uh, go to his webpage, PeterFinsham.co.za. Uh, he has Canvas um, prints for sale as well as the originals, of course. But to interview a man of st- a stature who has exhibited at the Leonardo Gallery and, you know, his works in England, France, and Germany. Duncan, I think you'd agree with me that we have a supernova in the studio. And, uh, Peter, thank you so much for bringing in one of your original paintings and for being with us here today on Looking Up with Professor David Block. Until next week, bye for now. Cliffcentral.com.